Hey, everybody, and welcome to the inaugural episode of Product Talk on the Automox Podcast Network. My name's Peter Flaster. Uh, I do product marketing over here at Automox. I'll be one of your hosts. Uh, we're super excited to, to bring you the first episode. This will be a monthly podcast available on pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts today. My other co-host uh, moving forward here will be Steph. Steph, why don't you go ahead and give us a quick intro? Hey guys, Steph Rizzuto. I'm a product manager here at Automox, and I'm super excited to be here. Awesome. Yeah, we are really excited for our inaugural episode. Uh, we figured kind of kind of starting out here, we would give just a really quick overview of what Automox actually is. If you've stumbled upon this podcast and you don't know who we are, um, I'm curious how you found us, first of all, uh, but we're, we're happy you're here nonetheless. So Automox is a cloud native um, endpoint management software company. Uh, cloud native really means uh, we're, we're built you know, from the get go uh, in the cloud for us, it's AWS. So that means no infrastructure, uh, no managing that infrastructure and super easy deployment uh, for, for your initial run there. Uh, we build products primarily for time-strapped IT teams so that they can effortlessly automate endpoint configuration and software updates and deployment uh, across their enterprise uh, for devices regardless of where they're located. Uh, so. Product Talk, the podcast, what are we going to talk about? Well, we're going to talk about the product. So really great name, whoever chose that. Uh, I love names that are self-explanatory. Uh, we'll, we'll cover, obviously, Automox, but we'll also be diving into you know, how our customers and prospects are using the tool and the outcomes that they're generating uh, from using the tool. Uh, so really excited to bring you this podcast, and uh, we'll go ahead and, and jump right in here. So today we're going to be covering a number of topics, the first of which is uh, the first quarter of our, our product roadmap cycle in 2024. We're really excited about what we have coming this quarter. Um, I think the first thing that I'd like to mention uh, that we just released is, is a publicly available roadmap. Uh, if you know, you're know you looking for more info or trying to reference back to anything after, after we have the discussion today, uh, that's available if you just go to automox.com and scroll to the bottom. Uh, there's that little menu directory. Uh, you can see the roadmap right there, and you'll be able to see everything that we talked about pretty much today. So I think as we, we discuss uh, Q1 here, the first thing I want to talk about is the policy results report and what that actually does for our customers. So obviously, you know, taking action uh, for IT administrators is really important, but uh, just as important, if not more important in some scenarios, is actually, you know, reporting back on everything that happened, whether that's for, um, you know, compliance report, uh, simple auditing, or, you know, proving what you're doing in your day-to-day -day work to uh, executives. So, uh, Steph, why don't you tell us a little bit about the policy results history report? Yeah, sure. Before we talk about that, I just want to go back to the publicly facing roadmap and just kind of talk about, you know, you can vote on things that you like, things that are coming up, you can give comments. We we use all that. So since we've released it, we've gotten some really good feedback um, and it lets us know what our customers want and get some data points that we might not have otherwise. So don't forget, if you like something, vote it up, comment on it. Um, we definitely want to hear. But like Peter said, we're getting ready to deliver the 
working on the policy results report. And that's a report that, you know, we had in, we have today, and it's really good for helping you troubleshoot specific policies that fail or things like that. Um, what it's lacking and what we're targeting here is starting to look at trends. So we're adding the history in there. I believe it's going to have 13 months of history um, in the report itself. So then you can go look and see what policies have a high failure rate. And you can start to maybe make some tweaks to your policies based on that. We're going to give additional information, additional filtering um, capabilities. So it's a really good overhaul in the report and a really good step towards letting our users analyze the data that we have in a way that makes sense and that they can then go ahead and take action on. So we're super excited um, to start working on that and get it in our customers' hands. Awesome. Yeah, the history aspect is is really important. Um, I think, you know, for most of our customers, hopefully that's a celebration. I think the mm-hmm. one the one area where I get worried about history is like looking back at Facebook history. I had a I had a uh, pop up the other day of a post I made in like 2010, which was back in my high school days about like <laughs> some baseball result. And I was so embarrassed. So um I, I would say for IT history is good, but you know, maybe personal, like I'd like, you know, a wipe after, after three months, so I don't have to remember anything and, and go back and cringe at it. Um, but yeah, hopefully all positive, positive history for the policy results and more of a celebration of all the work that you've been able to do or automate with Automlocks. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And the voting is, is something I actually wasn't aware of that. That's really cool. How, I mean, how do you, how often are you reviewing that kind of stuff? Is is that something that you're we're reviewing the product at, meetings? We're looking at it daily. So it all filters in the tool that we use product board. So we can see when someone upvotes it, when someone makes a comment on it. And, you know, we have all of our features tied in there and all of our customer data that we have. Whenever you're talking to your CSM or anything like that, anytime you give us feedback, we collect that. And that helps us make our our decisions and where we're going to go and where we put more focus on. Um, so it's just another data point for us to have that we're pretty excited about. And yeah, we look at it every awesome. day. Awesome, that's great. Uh, I think that's really important in the product development process to to make sure that you're actually talking to the people that are going to use it instead of creating stuff in a vacuum. Um, yeah. So the other thing that's that's on the uh, public roadmap is is dynamic device groups or tags. Uh, this is something I'm really excited about. I think you know dynamic or smart groups are are really you know not a brand new concept in the IT world. Uh, there's a lot of other tools out there that that do that. I think you know the quality of the implementation and the simplicity of of those managing those groups. Uh, you know, varies from vendor to vendor. I know people have experience with with some of the larger tools may, uh, you know, break out in hives when they start to hear about uh, dynamic device groups. But um, this is something that we're we're investigating. Uh, we're hoping to, to release the, the first iteration of this um, at some point this year, and it'll be kind of a continuing improvement uh, project that we build kind of the rest of the, the platform around uh, moving forward. But, you know, really with, with any modern IT environment, you know, the legacy way of managing groups of devices. Um, so like a device group that you would target a patch policy or a software deployment on, 
it just it just doesn't work anymore. It's it, it's too fluid. There's devices everywhere. They have different software on them. Uh, people are installing their own software a lot of the time, um, and it's really hard to uh, kind of manage all the policies that you need to keep your kind of endpoints in control and, and updated properly. So with, with dynamic device groups, the goal there, um, along with the goal of pretty much everything that we're building in Automox is, is to bring, you know, a simple automation centric approach to um, IT, IT teams and managing endpoints. Uh, so we're really excited there because, um, you know, the first iteration um, we're, we're, Looking forward to bringing, you know, grouping devices based on on unique criteria instead of static groups that are targeted and, and you have to change manually over time. Um, so that that's one feature from my end that I'm really excited about. It. Uh, the other thing that we're that Steph's starting to work on is is actually with macOS um, severity data around the vulnerabilities that are being patched. So Steph, tell us a little bit about that project. Yeah, we're really excited about this project. Um, it's something that hasn't been advertised yet. It's not on the public facing roadmap and we haven't talked much about it in our customer webinars. And there's a plug. If you're interested in learning what we have coming up, we do do quarterly um, webinars that you can look and get a first look at what's coming out and what we're working on now. But for Mac OS severity scores, you're going to start seeing those high critical um, severity data in there for Mac. So that's going to let you leverage patch by severity policy, focus on what are the critical vulnerabilities that today you're kind of flying blind um, without that severity data. So it's going to help you prioritize, know, know what to tackle first. And then an added benefit is for our Rapid7 integration, today you could really only use it with Windows and Linux, some Linux distros. So once we have the severity data, you're going to be able to go and pull in all of your vulnerabilities for Mac OS specific um, items and then be able to patch those with our Rapid7 integration. So we're pretty excited about that. And I think it's a really good step forward in um, fine tuning our severity data and the underlying data that's kind of like powering Automox and helping you be able to prioritize um, what you need to focus on first. Yeah, and I think that that's a good mention of, of the Rapid7 um, integration. I mean, really what, what that is doing uh, through a tool that we call automated vulnerability remediation is taking two best of breed tools. So on our side, it's, it's best of breed patching and on Rapid7 sites, of course, uh, best of breed vulnerability uh, management. And, and we're connecting those two things uh, on the back end via API, right, uh, to help our customers uh, scan for and then correlate and patch those vulnerabilities automatically. And we also have uh, avenues for the unpatchable stuff uh, via worklets, which are um, essentially, you know, scriptable units of work in PowerShell or Bash, depending on if it's a Windows device or a Mac or Linux device. Um, so, yeah, that's yeah, really great. We, we are, too, continuing to make improvements to that integration. Um, so we have some other exciting stuff coming up, like I said, really focusing on the underlying data and helping you better correlate what you're seeing in Rapid7 to Automox. And then most importantly, then you can take action on it instead of just having a report that's, you know, here's a ton of vulnerabilities. Now you can go prioritize those. They have severity on them and go patch and make sure that your environment is secure. That's great. Yeah, I think... You know, when I first joined Automox 
almost three years ago at, at this point, I was, I was brand new to the endpoint management world or that side of things. And my first question is like, why don't people just create a patch all policy and just send it? Um, I almost got chased out of town with a pitchfork for saying that, but um, you know, realistically that, that vulnerability data is really important because you want to patch that stuff faster. And um, typically you can accept a little bit more risk of, you know, a system being affected negatively by a patch that maybe didn't work ideally um, in, in exchange for covering yourself from that vulnerability, but you wouldn't want to just patch everything um, every single day because some of the stuff's just not not essential to deploy right away. So that's that's really why people um, need that data and and uh, use those connections with like Rapid7, um, the Rapid7s of the world. I think the other thing that we wanted to chat through um, today is is kind of an overhaul uh, of of what the actual end users, so the people who are being asked to um, you know have their machines patched or or configured by Automox um, if there's end user react interaction required, and that's the endpoint um, kind of monitoring UI that we're working on. Tell us a little bit about that project. Yep. So that one actually has the most votes to date on our, our publicly uh, facing roadmap. So that one, what we're doing is you'll start to notice small incremental updates with that. We're going to introduce a system tray that you'll be able to see updates in. And the first thing we're going to tackle is how do we make a better reboot process for your end user? We want them to know, we want them to be able to reboot at any time during the policy window that you set. We want them to be able to better understand when they need to reboot by. So we'll be moving to more of a deadline-based reboot and moving away from deferrals. We found through a lot of user research and talking to customers that that's confusing for the end user and that they're really excited about moving to more of a deadline-based approach. My hope is that at the end, no one can say my computer was un unexpectedly rebooted and that I couldn't do it at a convenient time. So we're really honing in on those pain points and making sure that we're tackling them in a way that's best for the end user. And that's going to give you less calls about <laughs> my machine unexpectedly rebooted and I lost all my work. So we're you know, the goal is to make your end user's life easier that in the end makes you worse because you're dealing with, it just works. You don't have to think about it and they don't have to think about it. I'm super excited um, about that project. And we are starting that work in Q1. Awesome. Yeah, I think a lot of the time, you know, it's like, uh, it's like on the newer cars, the automatic braking system, right? You have to create features that can save people from themselves almost say mm -hmm. I've been victim to it, even working at a company like this, where I just defer, defer, defer. And then eventually I get the, uh, <laughs> the forced reboot that was unexpected, but um, it was only unexpected because I, I made it unexpected. Um, so I'm guilty of that. I'm sure most it people also are, whether or not they'll admit it. Um, I'm not sure, but yeah, that, that'll be a great feature. So that that's all all great stuff on the Q1 front. I think the one thing about uh, product management is it's kind of a never ending hamster wheel of execution, evaluation, planning, and then kind of starting all over again. So as we're building in Q1 right now, we're also you know, kind of lockstep planning for what we're going to build in Q2 from a product perspective. So I'm curious, Steph, if you could uh, kind of add a little bit more transparency for, for the folks listening on what that planning process from a roadmap perspective looks like at Automox? 
Sure. Each quarter, you know, we leave room to iterate on some of the features that we've delivered so that if they're quick, fast follows that we need to do or things that we want to fix or iterate on based on feedback that we've received, we leave some space for that. So we're always looking to see what was just released. Is there anything else that we need to um, go back and make a little bit better for our customers? And like we kind of talked about using the customer data from the calls you're having with the CSM, product folks, UX, and figuring out what's most important and how do we stack rank that and then balance that with all the technical things that we need to do and the keeping the lights on, so to speak, from an engineering perspective. So all that kind of goes in. We work really closely with UX, engineering um, to kind of determine, hey, here's our stack rank. What can fit and what do we think is going to solve the biggest pain points for our customers that we have today. Awesome. Well, that's great. I, you know, I, I was obviously aware, but I think a lot of people, you know, just see the roadmap coming out and they don't totally understand where, where things are coming from. But um, I think that the TLDR today uh, for, for the folks listening is we're always listening, um, not in like a creepy NSA way, but uh, we're always, you know, have our ears open and, and our ears to the ground uh, for feedback, whether that's one-to-one customer calls or, uh, votes that we're getting on the public roadmap. Um, just another plug for that to go and check that out and vote on your favorite features. So that that's at pretty much time today. It's it's lunchtime for me, so I think we're gonna we're gonna call it there. Um, really appreciate everyone who made it to the end of the podcast. We're looking forward to bringing you this on a monthly basis uh, coming up. And thank you, Steph, for uh, for joining us today. Thanks for having me.